The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Beatty Chevrolet saves you money. 2.9% APR or $5,000 total value on new Silverado 1500s. New Equinox with 1.9% APR plus no payments for 90 days or 2,500 total cash allowance at Beatty Chevrolet. Deep down the middle's got his man and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Swainevent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. 865-255-03 is the digits to the Swain Event Hotline this morning. I'm Jason Swain, live from the Low T Center studio. And joining me is that bad man, Ben McKee. Glad that you be with us this morning. It is the eighth day of February. Shortest month of the year. So we gotta get it in. Ben, what's up, man? Is that an Auburn shirt? Oh, it's Buckhorn. War Eagle, baby. Great win for the Auburn Tigers. Great win. And y'all were good. They, you, you don't walk into Neville Arena and, and beat up on the Auburn Tigers under Bruce Pearl, baby. You, you just don't do it. War Eagle, it was a great day, great night last night for the Auburn Tigers. Auburn does not win in Coleman Coliseum. Alabama does not win in Neville Arena. That's just the way it is. It's law. It's a matter of fact. I didn't I didn't get to watch a single second of that game last uh, night because it was at the same time as the Tennessee game. Um, which I, I hated, although I didn't miss anything because apparently Auburn blew them out from start to finish. Although it sounded like Alabama made a little bit of a run midway through, but um, Auburn controlled that from start to finish. And I, I think I said it on here. I mean, th- that's what was going to happen. Uh, again, Alabama basketball does not win in Auburn. Auburn basketball does not win in Tuscaloosa. That's the way it's been for for several years in a row now. It feels like I I honestly don't know if the statistics would back my my thought up, but it, it feels like Auburn never wins in Tuscaloosa and vice versa. Uh, so that that was a big one for for Tennessee. Uh, I I feel to to even up, I guess uh, the the two loss column w- with Alabama. Alabama ha- now has two SEC losses along with Tennessee, and then Tennessee owns the tiebreaker. Still a lot of basketball left to be played. Tennessee plays both of those teams, and uh, those results will likely dictate how the regular season champ turns out. 
Um, but in, in the meantime, as uh, as Tennessee looks to stack some wins, like we talked about on Tuesday, I feel like that was a, a, a pretty good result uh, for, for Tennessee. Yes, Auburn gets a conference win, but Bama gets its second conference loss, which I feel like right now is more important. Spoken like a real Auburn fan. War Eagle, baby. Making making comments and, and statements without information to back it up. Auburn never loses in Neville Neville Arena, Neville Coliseum. We never we never lose there. We 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 never lose. Hey, hey man. Swain. What what's the name of Auburn's football stadium? Uh, Jordan Hare. <laughs> Jordan Hare. It's not Jordan. It's Jordan. I'm glad that as an Auburn fan there. this morning, so oh, I, I can. It ain't a U. Well, I I don't know why it's pronounced that way, but you know why it's pronounced that way. It's it's, it's Alabama country folks. You know what we do to words. We well did did the person that it's named after. Is is he from Alabama originally? I don't know. Well, me for? I don't know Auburn's history. I, I know a little bit of Auburn. I know modern Auburn history. They might teach I that at Buckhorn, but they don't teach that at Grissom. They don't teach good, the good. history of Auburn, Alabama, uh, the names of the stadiums and the origins and all that stuff. We don't. We don't do that at Grissom, man. We 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 about academics, okay? Academics. You cut your uh, folks you, at Buckhorn. I don't know what y'all are on. Oh, uh, you, you mean the the same. The, the same high school in Huntsville that had its um oh, what's the, the, the lady's role? your your guidance counselor who tried to turn you into the NCAA that institution huh she's the, no longer employed that that high school where where your guidance counselor turned you into the NCAA because she was so mad you weren't going to Alabama oh you mean that institution hey there's a there's a there's a bad apple in every group man. Ironically, uh, absolutely nobody is going to care about this, but I don't care that I'm going to share this. Uh, ironically, there is a, a player for Auburn that did play at Buckhorn when I think he was like a freshman or or, or sophomore, and, and then he transferred out to a prep school or to Memphis, uh, I believe. Um, but so I, I my, my Buckhorn roots that they, they they connect down to Auburn, you know, you know, you know. Thanks for thanks for reading the room, Ben. Um, <laughs> Hey, you, you're the one that first mentioned uh, my Auburn fandom. That's what sent me in a tirade. So it's your fault, not mine. Don't put this on me. It's your fault. If you would not have said what you said, you would not have triggered me. Don't connect with the quietest 27 points we've ever seen. I don't know why folks think he was quiet. Uh, I mean, the game came to him. Tennessee was up from the start, jumped on LSU. That's probably why, because it wasn't a close game and you didn't need Dalton Connect to pull you out of a scoring drop. Dalton Connect was scoring with everybody else scoring. You had Zakai Ziegler that went for 17. You had Jordan Ganey that went for 18. Tennessee was pouring in threes early, got up to a huge lead. Uh, Don Connect was just part of that. And so it seemed like a 27 point performance that was quiet, but it really, really wasn't. I mean, 19 shots, 
two for five from, from three-point range. But this team, I think, showed last night why people are talking about this team as, as, as a number one seed because it was just utter dominance, man, on both sides of the, of the court. And LSU's not the best team at all, but coming off a road emotional win versus Kentucky, there was expectations that maybe Tennessee would have a little bit of a letdown. And Tennessee did allow LSU to come back in the game, but you got to give credit to LSU, Ben. Like, that's a feisty team. That team never quit. It didn't matter what the score was. LSU played basketball the right way. So I got a lot of respect for how LSU played uh, last night. I thought it was a really, 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 really good game. But uh, Tennessee, 17-5 overall, 7-2 and in the conference, and like you alluded to to start the show, Auburn beating Alabama certainly helps Tennessee in the SEC regular season race. So we got Tennessee basketball uh, today. Rodney Garner is not going anywhere. Um, that was discussed a little bit on Tuesday. Didn't know, honestly, what he was going to do. Understood both sides of it. If he were... Um, to choose or was to choose Auburn, I would understand staying in Tennessee is something I understood. But on Tuesday, yeah, on Tuesday, on Josh and Swain, um, around, I want to say it was a first hour or so, um, we talked about Rodney Garner felt more confident about what he was going to do and um, said during the broadcast there that he was staying. Like, he he was staying. And his daughters are here. He has the best defensive line group he's had at Tennessee. He will have this year. I think when it's all said and done and he retires, I see him going – Auburn living there, I mean, strong ties there, but there's a lot of work to be done here at, at Tennessee, and I think um, he made the right move to stay to stay at Tennessee. Um, I understand his track record. I understand his pedigree, the success that he's had. Certainly didn't want to lose him, but at the same time, I think Rodney Garner has, like, the best group of, of coaches that are more prepared to move into that role as an on-the-field coach if Rodney Garner were to leave. So uh, I was really good anyway. I was good either way. Certainly didn't want to lose Rodney Garner, but understood the nature of the business, understood how NIL is driving good coaches out of the profession, whether they are going to the NFL or they are deciding to retire. But Rodney Garner, will be with us next year. And that's good news, my friend. This defensive it, it line has a chance to be really good. What's that? Defensive line got a chance to be really, really, really good. Uh, carried the defense, carried the team uh, times last year. And so a lot to kind of build off of from last year going into this year. Absolutely. I, I think Tennessee's defensive line has a chance to be – one of the best position units on the team next year. And if if Nico 
was not going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, maybe the the best unit on the team, and and who knows? Maybe they they still will be. I really like where that position is at heading into next season. I, I think in in just from the outside looking in on Rodney's decision, uh, quite frankly, I think only Rodney knows whether it it's the right decision to to make or not because only because it seemed like it was a a a more of a personal decision than an X's and O's or college football decision because his kids are in Knoxville. His wife is in Auburn. You've said this when, when he does end up retiring, he's going to live in Auburn. He's from the state of Alabama, born there, uh, grew up there, played football at Auburn. Like eventually he's going to be back in Auburn. So only Rodney knows when, when the right time is to, to make that move back to Alabama, whether it's still as a football coach or, or whether it's, it's post career. So, uh, I I am um, I couldn't imagine being in that position. I am very very new to fatherhood, but having to pick between uh, living in the same town as as my kids or, or living in the same town as as my wife, uh, I can imagine that that would pull you in a lot of different directions and be a really tough decision uh, to make. Especially after Rodney's been doing this for a long time now, and and he's moved around quite a bit and and has had to move the family around quite a bit, even if he did have some long stays at Georgia and Auburn. Um, the life of a football coach is is not easy in, in terms of moving your family around quite a bit. So uh, I'm, I'm sure he's somewhat ready for a sense of stability in, in terms of knowing that, hey, this is it. This is where I'm going to be for, for the long haul. Uh, so I think only Rodney knows whether that decision was, was the correct one to make or not, just because it seemed like such a personal one. Uh, that that really leaned on the family side of things. And uh, for anybody who's followed Rodney over his time at Tennessee knows that Rodney is big on family and, and that his family means the absolute world to him, as it should. So um, happy for Rodney one way or the other. Uh, he's been very kind to me and, and my interactions with him. Uh, seems like a, a, a great, great human, um, even if he is hard on his players. Uh, but it, it is a great, great thing for Tennessee. You, you you can maybe have a conversation or two about recruiting, but in terms of the X's and O's and the fundamentals and technicalities of playing defensive line, uh, there's no doubt that Tennessee, it, it would be very hard, if, if not impossible, to replace Rodney from that standpoint, the ability to coach up the guys within his room. And uh, I think Tennessee's defensive line is only going to continue to flourish uh, because of his decision to stay at Tennessee. I mean, you go look at his coaching history. Yeah, he's been at a couple different places, but he's like he was there for a long time. I mean, uh, when he was at Georgia after leaving Tennessee. Now, Tennessee he wasn't here that long, but well, like when he went to Georgia, he was there from '98 to 2004 uh, as a defensive line coach and then recruiting coordinator, and then he was the assistant head coach and defensive line coach from 2005 to 2012. So from from ninety eight to two thousand twelve, he was he was at Georgia, and then from two thousand thirteen to two thousand twenty, he was at Auburn. So like he's moved around a couple times. You know, he started his career as the tight ends um, you know, coach, uh, got his feet wet there, um, went to Tennessee. But I mean, he hasn't been in a ton of places. When you look at how long he has coached. 
a lot of guys, man, they they've had way more movement than that. But you're still having to to move after being somewhere a long time, and you have kids, and you think about like even if his all of his kids, the prior spot was Auburn. Okay, let's say Auburn for example. Like even if all his family was there, he's still on the road. He's still in the offices. He's still not around his kids like somebody who doesn't coach SEC football would be. So, like, this is an opportunity for for him to have that time maybe with his older daughters that he didn't have when they were younger. That's how I look at it uh, as someone who has daughters. And so – Again, it's good for Tennessee that he's back. Uh, there's a lot of players right now on this roster that are at, at Tennessee because of Rodney Garner on the defensive line. And, you know, you get Jordan Ross, pretty sure that's the reason why you're able to get uh, him and, and other players. Um, and he'll have, a, he'll have opportunity to coach him up, those young players. And then uh, this will be a veteran group. This will be a, a deep group with, with a lot of depth. Really good competitive depth, not just bodies. So it's certainly good, man. It's good that Tennessee was able to fight off Auburn, a place where he's played, a place where he's coached, a place where he, I think he end up will end up being after his coaching days are over. It's certainly a good, a good, good day for Tennessee. Um, I think NIL is. Really tough for all coaches. All coaches. I heard Kevin Steele, former D.C. of Clemson and Auburn and Alabama, and he's an alum here, was a head coach here for about five minutes. Uh, but I heard him say, I'm not sure exactly where it was, I forgot, but he was talking to a kid, and the kid was like, "Yeah, you got you know you got everything. Um, the, the NFL history. I know I'm be, I'm, I'm going to be developed. I know I'm going to be coached well. But yo, this other school has offered me so much more money than you have offered. I I got to go there, and that's kind of what the coaches are dealing with. And for someone like Rodney Garner, someone that's has been coaching in this industry for a very, very long time. Whew. That's tough, man. It's tough to deal with. So, and Rodney's old school, but there's a lot of coaches who are like Rodney Garner that I think NIL will will affect uh, at, at some point. I think it's going to take yeah. some years off their coaching career. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think we're already starting to see it from from some. Uh, and when I made the comment about you can have a conversation about the the current recruiting along the defensive line, I don't I don't want to insinuate that the recruiting has been bad, but on the other hand, I do think that maybe when Tennessee hired Rodney Garner, there were higher expectations than maybe there have been results that that maybe you expected. At least from a star ranking. That's not that, that not that that matters, quite honestly. 
as we've had a million conversations about. But you, you saw what Rodney did at Georgia. You saw what Rodney did at Auburn. A million five stars and high level four stars. And just in terms of star ranking, you haven't seen that a ton. Yeah. Uh, so again, the recruiting's been fine. The defensive line's been good. Who they're bringing in, especially through the portal, has really been working out. They brought in James Pierce Jr., uh, who I know he 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 plays that Leo position, which I think technically is Mike Eckler's spot, but Rodney coaches that position as as well with Coach Eckler. Uh, and by one service, James Pierce Jr. was a five-star. And uh, David Hobbs, by one service, was a five-star. So, again, it's it's not that there have been absolutely zero results. I, I just think that maybe expectations were so high based off of what he did at his previous two schools uh, that, that he was just going to reel in all the five-stars that exist in every single class that play along the defensive line. Uh, and and recruiting's been fine, uh, but they, they haven't done exactly that. So that's what I meant by that earlier. Yeah comment i think it's an accurate statement i think it's a fair statement i think it's a statement that can be said across the board when when darnell wright was the first round pick when you had um uh, other players drafted you had 11 and 2 season and uh, nil became a thing officially and like we knew how tennessee would be aggressive like we thought tennessee would recruit better in the last two years or so since nil has been a thing so we can say that across the board that's a fair statement um 100 I agree. I agree with you, my man. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. The Betty Chevrolet text box. You can give us a shout there. Love to hear your comments and questions. Got more to discuss here on the Swain event. Tennessee basketball. Getting to win against LSU. Now it's about going on the road and playing a physical, tough experience. Texas a and basketball team. We'll talk about all that much more coming up here on the Swain event. Stay with us. You're listening to the Swain event. You don't say. Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative. Baby Chevrolet saves. And MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. 
Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Swainevent.com fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Ben McKee, Good Balls 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here in the Low T Center Studio. 27 points. Mid range. Outside shot. Had a couple layups that was easy, but it had a couple where it's just floating in the air. Tough angles. Finding a way to get it off the glass. Kissing off the glass. One thing that stood out last night as I was watching the game on television. A comment was made about Don Connect being a lock for SEC Player of the Year. Ben, do you feel like it's a lock? Uh, you, you cut out there for a second. A lock for what? SEC Player of the Year. No, I, I don't feel like it's a lock. I, I mean, I, I think he is by far away the leader in the clubhouse. There, there's just too much basketball left to be played, and there are others who are playing at an exceptionally high level right now. Uh, Mark Sears, Antonio Reeves, uh, again, I and I, I went on a diatribe last week after I guess it was the Vanderbilt game. Maybe it was before that. I mean, we had a conversation here on the show because th- there were people who uh, legitimately thought that Mark Sears or Antonio Reeves should have won it or would win it today over Don't Connect. And, and I just thought that was ludicrous quite frankly, uh, because they were simply looking at, at the points per game overall on the season and weren't providing context. You and I both talked about how, what if Dalton doesn't play in those games in December against the non-conference teams uh, when he was dealing with that ankle injury? And in those games, because he was dealing with that ankle injury and he was trying to gut it out for his teammates and only scoring two points, six points, whatever it was in a couple of those games, what would his points per game look like on the season? Yeah, And... At that point, when we had that conversation, I believe he had four 30-point games in SEC play already, whereas the other two, I think, had one apiece. And Mark Sears had just come into Knoxville and got locked up by Jemai Meshack and the rest of Tennessee's defense uh, in, yeah. in in an uncompetitive basketball game. So uh, I think Mark Sears and Antonio Reeves are worthy of consideration and are having player of the year type seasons. I think we need to start talking about Janai Broom more at Auburn. Janai Broom is is has been a problem 
this season for a, a lot of teams. Uh, but it, it's it's don't connect as as of today. I, I just don't think you can lock it in when there's still a month left of basketball to be played. Um, but I, I I think I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up winning it and think he will end up winning it uh, if he doesn't get hurt the rest of the season. I, I want to highlight uh, a couple of things. I wanted to highlight uh, two quotes that Dalton had last night. Um, but before I do that, I want to mention a stat that really speaks to this conversation that you brought up. Uh, last night, I felt like it was Dalton's best all-around game of the season by far. Mm. Wow. Just, he was a, I mean, he was awesome in every aspect of his game from top to bottom. I mean, he, he completely, I think so. Yeah. I thought he was pretty good defensively. I mean, he had three blocks. And not that that's the end all be all, but 27 points, seven rebounds, which I believe tied his season high, a career high six assists, three blocks, which is, was as much as Jonas, two steals. And he only had two turnovers in 35 minutes uh, and, and was very effective shooting from the field. Uh, nine of 19, two of five from three. And uh, you'd like to be perfect, but seven of nine at the free throw line. I, I thought if it wasn't his best, it was one of his best all around games from top to bottom yeah. last night. I felt like uh, Rick Barnes uh, said that Dalton's all around game last night was great as well. Uh, one of the quotes I wanted to highlight about Dalton was I asked him if he felt like it was uh, <laughs> his best all-around game of the season. And he said, I don't know. I don't really care. I just care about the win. I just went downhill, tried to find my teammates or just look for my own shot. And my teammates always knocked down the shots. So shout out to my teammates. Uh, I I mentioned it several times so far this year, but just love how when Dalton is asked about himself, uh, he just deflects and, and talks about his teammates. Uh, and then he was asked about whether he's happier when he scores 30-something points or has a high number of assists and rebounds. And uh, he said scoring 35 is cool and all. We're getting six assists and stuff, filling out the stat sheet. I like that stuff too, but I only really like seeing the win. That's the best part. Is going out there and getting a win with my teammates. So really cool to hear Dalton continue to uh, deflect and then not really talk about him on a personal level. Uh, he, he may give you a one-liner about himself, but he immediately uh, begins to talk about his teammates and coaches, putting him in position uh, to win. And there are a lot of people who would be in Dalton's shoes who would only be worried about continuing to ball out this year be a lottery pick and off to the NBA and, and worry about getting that contract. But the stat that I wanted to highlight because of Dalton's all around game last, last night, he's the second power six player in the last 15 seasons with 27 points, seven rebounds, six assists, three rebounds, two steals. Again, the second power six player in the last 15 seasons. The other one was Ben Simmons at LSU. Ben Simmons. Whew. Who had a great all around game while he was at LSU? Maybe not uh, as a shooter, yeah, but as a scorer. But he was, but he was dominant for sure. Um, I love me some Don Connect. I love his humility. Of course, it's easy to fall in love with a guy who's balling, uh, and he loves being here. But you know, Don Connect didn't tell the truth, right? 
first part of your, your, your quote. I'm not trying to be nitpicky here, but I, I do think it's it's important to allow the listener to understand and get a behind-the-scenes look, behind the curtain, the mentality you got to have to be a student-athlete at this level. I think Dalton gets so used to deflecting, gets so used to not talking about himself, that he just gave us an answer. And the reason why Dalton is so great is because he cares about his individual game. During the broadcast, they talked about him having something in common with Kevin Durant. They're always in the gym. That Don Connect was in the gym two and a half hours before the game. When the announcers got there, he was like he was the only guy there. He was the first one there. So when you said, when you asked him about this being his best game, and he said he didn't care, he cares. Like you care about your individual game. You want to be better. Like you individually, you want to be better than the previous game. Like you're striving to outperform your previous performance. And that doesn't mean always scoring. It can mean defense. It can mean better rebounding. It can mean being more of a shot blocker around the rim. It can mean being a better screener. So, of course, you want to have your best performance, but it doesn't mean that you only care about your personal performance. I think there's a difference. Like, you can individually want to have a better performance than you did before, which is why you continue to put in the work, which is why you watch the film, which is why you do all the things that you do so you can be your best because if you are your best, you're going to help the team win. And ultimately, that is the goal, to help the team win. So I just I just found it funny that he said he didn't care, but, like, I know you care, which is why it makes him great. That's why I think he is going to be the runaway favorite to win SEC Player of the Year. You have to personally care about your personal success because your personal success helps the team win. Like as a wide receiver, people, oh, they divas, they divas. All they do is want the ball. Yeah, they want the ball because if they have 100 yards receiving, two touchdowns, they're helping the team. I didn't mind Jalen Hyatt always wanting the ball. I didn't mind him feeling like he was open all the time because against Alabama, his personal performance is what lifted us over Alabama. So that's how I look at Don Connect's comments. But, again, I'm not being nitpicky. I'm just highlighting what he said he didn't care about is what makes him great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely spot on. Uh, And what I believe he means by – him saying he doesn't care about his individual performance because he has said this in the past is he he doesn't care if he scores it's the points two points it's the or points. yep he he would rather score two points in a win yep. than fifty in a loss and that it you 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 I think people would be surprised to to understand how rare that is that that individuals 
<laughs> would rather have team success than, than individual success because some of the five stars who have come through here that love to, to hop on Rick and blame Rick for those five stars not panning out. No, it, it was it was the five stars fault because the five star only cared about himself and himself only and had that uh, persona about him all year long and, and put off that energy all year long was not coachable like Dalton has been. And that's why it just didn't really jive all that well. They, they they were dead set on going to the NBA before they even stepped foot on campus. And when you do that, I, I think you're setting yourself up for for a, for a season where you don't meet individual expectations or team expectations. So uh, it, it it is very refreshing in a in a day and age of not just college athletics and sports, but a day and age where our culture is all about me, 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 instead of the greater good and being a part of a team and doing what's best for the team. It's refreshing to see how many players, and it's not just Dalton. I mean, there there is every single player in that basketball team, especially the ones that, that are playing consistently, they care more about the team winning than their individual stats. And that's why this team has a chance to to do things that have never been done before by this program. Going to the Betty Chevrolet text box. Jeff Rowe, why do we continue to see our seniors only be able to get up for top-rated games, top-rated teams, they all disappear against unranked teams. Jeff Rowe, only be able to get up for top-rated teams? What are you talking about? You can't say that they're not up when they come out against LSU and score 50 points in the first half. Can't You can't say that. You can't say that they're not up. The theme over the last two weeks with Tennessee basketball has been how the leadership has taken ownership of this basketball team. How Rick Barnes has said, yo, I can't be the only one saying stuff. It has to be Zakai Ziegler, who is a junior. It has to be a player-led team. You lost against South Carolina because you wasn't ready to play, didn't come out, the same type of urgency that you came out with versus Kentucky, Versus LSU. It was 50 to 27 in the first half. How can you say that the seniors, if you want to point to just Vescovy and Josiah, like you can't even point to that to them because Vescovy was up. He just didn't shoot. He could have shot way more. People were wanting him to shoot it more. But Vescovy was flying over all over the place. Offensively, he was cutting hard. He was sprinting. Defensively, he was engaged as, as ever. We have to understand that basketball is more than just putting the ball in the basket. There's so many different facets of the game. So just because Santi didn't show up in the in the points department. Like we saw versus Kentucky, like Santi had two points. But Santi was cutting his butt off. He was playing some great defense in the 21 minutes that he played. 
I just I don't see what you see there, Jeff Rowe. I I don't see that. I didn't see them disappear last night versus LSU. Josiah picked up two fouls in the first half, and that's probably why he played 25 minutes, but I was surprised to see him back in the first half after picking up those two fouls. But he did a really good job playing with those two early fouls, didn't get any more. But I'm sorry, man. I can't sit here and say they disappeared like like they wasn't able to get up. I just think that's a term that's sometimes thrown around loosely. And when you look at LSU game, how can you insinuate that anyone on that basketball team wasn't up to play when you come out and you're up 50 to 27 at halftime? Man, there's some teams that don't score 50, that barely score 50 in the whole game. Arkansas. And Tennessee scored 50 in the first half. So I'm... Yeah, Jeff Rowe, I'm, 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 I'm not with you on that one, my man. I'm, I'm not with Jeff Rowe in, in terms of last night's performance, but I, I do think that that has been an issue this season as a whole. I, I believe that that was an issue in the first half at Vanderbilt. I believe it was an issue in the first half against Mississippi State. I believe it was an issue uh, for the South Carolina game. Uh, th- this team... Up until the Kentucky game. We'll we'll see how the rest of February looks. but And and we're really about to find out over the next two weeks because of who they're playing. But I I really feel like they were were in cruise control uh, against the the lesser brands of basketball in the SEC. And and that got them into trouble at times where they, they showed up and... They, they didn't have the foot on the gas as, as much as they needed to have the foot on the gas because, I mean, it, it, it's it's different. It's different to get up for, for South Carolina and, and Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, a bad Vanderbilt team, um, and those lesser brands. It, it's harder to get up for those games than, than Kentucky or Alabama or Auburn. It, it just is. It, it, it's human nature. And, and I do think Tennessee took the foot off the gas in the second half uh, after after that dominant first half, and uh, you have to find a way to not allow that to happen. Uh, Swain, you can speak to it better than than I because you played at, at this high of a level, and I did not. Uh, but it, it seems like it's a hard thing not to do in terms of taking your foot off the gas. It just seems to be human nature when when you are absolutely dominating somebody and, and you get out to the lead that you, you get out to, and, and you're up by 20-plus and you're shooting 60% from the floor and, and you're holding them to under 40%. Like it, it seems like it's a very hard thing to do of not taking your foot off the gas. Uh, I think you still need to work and try and find a way not to do it because it almost bit you in the butt last night. I mean, LSU did come back and, and cut it to eight there in the second half because they got hot from the three point line. Um, so that, that was a, a little bit of an eyebrow raiser last night, but they showed up in that first half. I mean, Josiah was. He, he knocked down a three on the second position, I believe, and, and then had a, a nice reverse layup on the fifth uh, in transition, if I'm not mistaken, uh, while Tennessee was scoring on six of its first seven. So I, I do think Tennessee was ready to play last night, even if it did take its foot off the gas in, in the second half. But uh, prior to Kentucky, I think Rick made his comments that he made about needing somebody to, to change his demeanor 
I, I think the team got together and spoke to one another after the loss to South Carolina for a reason. Uh, I did not mention this on Tuesday, but meant to when when we were having a very similar conversation and how more about how the leadership changed in that game. Uh, but Rod Clark gathered the team up after that Friday practice before uh, they got on the bus to, to go to Kentucky and and he was on the other side of the floor. The team was from where we were sitting at practice. So you couldn't hear what he was saying. So he wasn't like screaming or anything, but he was lighting into them. And, and what's that? You mentioned on Tuesday. Okay. I couldn't remember if I did or not. I'm glad that I did. Cause I, I thought that was really interesting. And, and uh, I asked Josiah about it after the game and he said, it's all about, you know, we're trying to win a championship. There, there's no, there's no time for hurt feelings when, when somebody tries to correct you for the, for the, better good of the team. Um, so I, I do think they were cruising in, in a couple of those games prior to Kentucky, and they have had a nice change of, of mindset. And we'll see if it carries into some of these upcoming games against lesser opponents. But it, it's a veteran team, in my opinion, that knew that this season is going to come down to March. They know they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Some of these teams, they can almost just roll the ball out and, and win. And I think that is why you have seen some not so great performances here and there by by this team, and, and they've gotten in trouble at times. Not yeah. not that it's been a huge issue, but I do feel like they were cruising up until that Kentucky win outside of like the Alabama game and, and some of those other big time opponents. Yeah, now that point you're right on. But how how Jeff Rose's message read was, "Why do we continue to only yeah. see our seniors only be able to get up for top rated?" games they all disappear against unranked teams so when i saw why do we continue no i mean your your reaction to that was spot yeah, okay on. okay because uh, I, I mean yeah, i just want to yeah. make sure i'm being i'm being fair because no, you, you that are, happened you against are. mississippi state that happened against south carolina and yes. it stopped there yes it did not continue it, it you're you are correct and, and i think jeff rose coming from a place of uh i think <laughs> judging off the the, the noise of, of the crowd in the arena last night we're, were very frustrated by some threes that, that Santi passed up. I think that was very frustrating for, for fans last night. And I think they have a right to be frustrated by that. I mean, he's the the number two greatest three-point shooter in school history behind Chris Lofton. And he's led the SEC in three-point shooting in the last two years. Like you, you Santi needs to be taking open threes. It, it's as simple as that. Uh, and then I also think Jeff Rose probably speaking to to them taking their foot off the gas in the second half, as I as I talked about. Yeah, Santi on his hand one when he did pass up a three, looked like he was talking to the sideline or to the bench. And I wonder if, like, from a footwork standpoint, was he not was he not ready to shoot? Was, was his hands not on the ball the right way? But he passed it up for a reason. So I, I wonder if he was asked about that and why he did pass it up. But, I mean, you don't shoot bad passes. And, and man, sometimes you don't want to shoot shots where you're not comfortable and, you know, your, your feet are not lined up or your hand's not on the ball the right way. So I wonder why he passed up as many shots as he did. Because uh, I love watching Santi shoot the basketball. Uh, Mike from Conyers on the Betty Chevrolet text box. Are you concerned about the number of minutes Kai Ziegler is playing? Uh, he played 36 minutes 
out of 40 on Wednesday. Um, He's healthy. He is back. He has played. He played 33 versus Kentucky, 32 versus South Carolina, 36 versus Vanderbilt, 32 versus Alabama. He played 34 minutes against Florida, 38, I mean, 39 minutes against NC State. I mean, before that, he was all in the 20s. So, in December, played against Gastonia, he was in the 20s. Illinois, right at 30. Uh, North Carolina, he only played 28 minutes. So the flip switch when we played NC State, where he had 39 minutes, and then since then he's been he's been playing 30 30 minutes plus, 35 minutes plus, basically. But he's not. I am a little I am a little concerned about it if, if I'm being completely honest, or or at least it's something that I'm curious to see. If it has any impact in in the long run, um, so curious or concerned, which one? I will say concerned because we have seen some Tennessee teams in the past under Rick Barnes, the key players play a lot of minutes during the regular season, and then we get to the postseason, and and they have an off night, and we wonder. Not criticize, but wonder if they wore down at the end. And and I I I do worry about. I mean, if there's any guy that's not going to get worn down, it's it's a Kai Ziegler. Um, I, I I will say slightly concerned just because he is playing a ton of minutes. They, they don't have a backup point guard, and and I I, I do as little as you can be concerned. I, I'm concerned about those minutes adding up and, and biting them in the bud by the time uh, the March tournaments roll around. I will um, not say I'm concerned. The reason why here is because when it comes to maintenance of a player, I feel like the maintenance is done in between the games and the things that we've heard about these teams wearing down towards the end of the season under Rick Barnes has been because of their practice style and how long they go in between games on top of the games. So it will be like, okay, we play Alabama and football on Saturday. And then our next practice, we in full pass. And then we in full pass after that. And it's two-hour practices. And we hitting and we're doing all that. And by the time you play in the game, you worn down. And you keep doing that weeks after weeks. At the end of the season, you don't have anything left. Rick Barnes, these guys go hard. And I'm glad this question was brought up. Because on Tuesday, I asked Ron Slay about how do you balance making sure that you're sharp during the season but not being worn down because that has been a criticism of Rick Barnes' teams in the past. 
And he specifically pointed to practice and how it's important for the older players to make sure, and the younger players, the team, to make sure that when you're working on a drill or when you're working on um, you know, a strategy, you're putting in a new play, whether it's out-of-bounds play or a set on offense, Rick is going to move on once you got it down. So an hour and a half practice can turn into a two-hour practice if guys are not getting it down. The first team going out there, they knock it out. Second team go out there, and they're not getting it down. Well, they got to keep doing it because everyone has to know it. Because it's not like football where, like, all right, well, these group of guys, they're going to play. There may be a time when <clears throat> Cameron Carr is in there or Jamal Mayshack is in there or someone on the second team is in there. If they don't get it, one person can mess up the whole play. So you can't move on until everybody gets the the play down. And that's the difference between a two-hour practice and an hour-and-a-half practice. And that's what Ron said has to happen within the locker room. And so that's why I'm going to say I'm not concerned about Zakat Ziegler's minutes in the 30s. And it's not like we're playing overtime. We haven't played one overtime game, have we, this year? So, like, I'm I'm not concerned. I think he's – dude, <laughs> he's out there playing with folks, taking the cookies. He had, what, three steals in the first half, breaking the press by himself. I mean, the game looks so slow to Zakai. And I understand, normally, coming off of ACL, we're like, oh, man, oh, man, I don't know. But, man, medicine is so advanced. Guys are able to be a better version of themselves after ACL uh, tears. And we knew Zakai was going to return a whole lot earlier than what people expected because of the work that he puts in, how hard he works. So I'm, I'm not necessarily concerned about the minutes. And that's my explanation. I well, And I would like to see, Rick won't do this. He's never done it over his tenure at Tennessee. But when the opportunity presents itself in the last 10 minutes, five minutes of a game, and you're up by plenty enough, pull them. Why? To rest their legs. It hurts your net ranking, don't it? Does this particular team need to worry about that? I'm trying to get a one seed, ain't you? Well, if you, I, I think if if you simply win the games that you have left on your schedule, you're going to get a one seed. You, you beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. You beat Auburn. You beat Kentucky. I think the one seed takes care of itself. But if you play, if you play LSU right now, or you're playing Texas A&M right now, or you're playing Vanderbilt right now, before you play Alabama, before you play Auburn before you play Kentucky again and you're up 15 points with or 20 points with four minutes left, you don't know 100% you're actually going to beat Kentucky and Alabama and Auburn. Like, you you in the moment right now. So, like, I understand you're up by a lot of points. Let's get the other dudes in. Let's take these other guys out because we want them to get hurt. But basketball, man, got these net rankings, and that's why I think coaches are leaving players in. 
in blowout yeah. wins. Fair enough, but when 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 you talk about oh, I'm playing Josiah too many minutes. I'm I'm playing Santi too many minutes. I'm playing Zakai too many minutes. There's some opportunities that present itself when you have as great of a team as you have to pull those guys early, even if it's three to four minutes, and also get some younger guys work that need work. I, I don't understand yeah. not taking advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're, if you're saying you got to put other guys in, then you need you need to do it. We have opportunity. I don't know if they had opportunity last night, and I don't really know the last time they've they've had an opportunity. Uh, they haven't had one in conference play. I can remember off the top of my head. No, that they were trending towards it last night. Um, but obviously LSU got hot from three. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember an opportunity to to do so in, in SEC play, and it's it's typically those non conference games where where you see the opportunity present itself, and and Rick is notorious. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, but he is notorious for leaving his starters in practically all game, regardless of the score. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I like seeing the score being ran up, and I like to see Dalton Connect go for go for thirty. <laughs> well, that 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 twenty point win looks a whole lot different. Because of that seven zero run mm-hmm. at the end, yeah, I'm saying the, end like, the game last night. Yeah, that that could have hurt the net if you would have only won by eight to ten points, but because you went won by twenty, that that helped your ranking. Because I think we were what a fourteen fifteen point favorite going into the game. Yeah, fourteen and a half. I'm all yeah. Well, I'm not saying pull them when it's an eight point game. No, I'm, but uh, I'm, obviously I, I know that. But like, I'm just speaking to like the score. Let's say let's say you had the backups in and LSU went on the same run and Tennessee was able to win by 10. Well, that would have hurt the net rankings, but because you were able to win by 20, it helped the net rankings regardless I mean, of who was in the score is the score. That, that's what I'm saying. I I think Zakai is going to be perfectly fine. I, I, I think the team is going to be perfectly fine. Uh, I had the thought pop in my head a moment ago that Garrett Medenwald may be the most underrated and underappreciated member of Tennessee athletics on the entire campus. Who gets less recognition but gets more results than that guy, than Tennessee strength, Tennessee basketball strength coach? I mean, th- this basketball team. Garrett and, and Rick will tell you this. Garrett is as important to this program as anybody is on campus to their respective programs, and he 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 gets very little attention for it, which I'm sure he prefers. A lot of strength coaches prefer not to to get attention. You know what? You're right, but we got to take a break. But you're right. You're hundred percent right. 100% right. 865-255-03. Ben McKee. 100% right. Twin event. Fuel by Dead End Barbecue. Stay with us.
What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com, East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like the show on Facebook. Baby Chevrolet saves you money. 2.9% APR or $5,000 total value on new Silverado 1500s. New Equinox with 1.9% APR plus no payments for 90 days or 2,500 total cash allowance at Baby Chevrolet.
we are just living in it. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. They ain't got a lot of stuff going on. Covering Tennessee. Got a big move happening. We're moving back to Knoxville. <laughs> good times. Good times right now. It is good times. And it could be good times for the Swain Event family if they are in the market for a new home or whatever they want to accomplish in real estate. It can be good times if they reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. Uh, she's spoken with several members of the Swain Event family over the last couple of weeks, uh, and she greatly appreciates them and those who have trusted her uh, to discuss their real estate needs. She's even meeting with more members of the Swain Event family uh, this Friday to look at homes. And uh, as always, she's ready to negotiate uh, with that Tobey Awaka look in her eyes if necessary. So can't recommend Jennifer Morse of Keller Williams Realty enough uh, to meet all of your real estate needs. Uh, you will not be disappointed, I guarantee you. Uh, I had a couple of questions, Swain. Real quick, I wanted to answer on the text box before I have to jump out of here at this next break. Uh, the other McKee asked if Freddie DeLeon is still dealing with plantar fasciitis. It seemed like he was starting to play well, but we haven't seen him in a few games now. I don't believe that Freddie is is he's still not. dealing with the plantar fasciitis. No, he's not. Uh, he's fine. You, you've, if you don't mind me sharing, I think you've had plantar fasciitis, correct? Uh, yeah, I had it. I ruptured mine uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, one linger? foot, and then I had plantar in the other foot. So, like, I ruptured it, ruptured it one, and just regular plantar the other one. But Freddie's Freddie's good on that because uh, we had him in the locker room, and uh, that was the first thing I asked him. So, he's good. Yeah, I, I just I, – I think Tennessee would like to see more out of Freddie in practice. Uh, he, he had been looking good there for, for a couple of games when he got in there. Um, but I, I think – Rick would would like to see him turn up the defensive intensity and take care of the basketball a little bit more than he has been while I've been in practice. Uh, so hopefully Freddie can can flip the switch and, and be a guy that you can bring in for a couple of minutes here and there to spell Zakai and not have Zakai playing upwards of, of 40 minutes. But uh, I don't blame Rick for playing Zakai as much as he's playing Zakai right now because um, obviously I, I cover Tennessee basketball first, SEC basketball second. I am a college basketball fan, so I try to consume as much college basketball as I can. Uh, but that is hard to do when you cover a team on a, on a daily basis. Uh, but I have a hard time thinking that there is a point guard in the country that I would take over Zakai Ziegler right now from a leadership standpoint from how he's playing on the on the floor standpoint i i don't know good luck finding a point guard better than zakai ziegler in college basketball right now or or one that you would take over leading into march and, and leading into the ncaa tournament so i i don't i don't blame rick for playing zakai as much as he is uh, he's a comfort blanket like josiah and santi um but I, I do think Freddie being able to spell Zakai a couple of minutes uh, would be beneficial. Uh, Central Florida Vol asked me if I'm going to Arlington next weekend for baseball. I am. I will be there next weekend. 
to cover the the baseball games while uh, Patrick Brown and, and Wes Rucker hold down the fort for Vanderbilt basketball versus Tennessee basketball that Saturday night. We are uh, dividing and conquering next weekend. And then there is one final question I wanted to answer from Todd. Uh, he said that he is going to Arlington as well for the baseball games next week, and he'd really like a roster to reference. Any idea if Tony Vitello will release the roster earlier than normal? No, he will not. Uh, <laughs> he, he will not. I. It, it's because they have so many guys. There's a 40-man active roster, and they don't decide on who is going to be on the active roster for the year and who is going to redshirt until the very last possible second. Uh, and I believe that the roster has to be submitted midnight on Thursday, the night before the game. Uh, so you, you will not see an official roster from Tennessee until game day, uh, until until that opener. And then Todd also asked, can I get your best guess as to who will redshirt this year or not play uh, due to injuries? I, I think the majority of the freshmen are, are going to redshirt. Um, there, there's a couple of pitchers who are dealing with, with some injuries that will redshirt and not pitch uh, this year. You, you do have your Matthew Dallas's and Derek Schaefer's who, who are going to have roles on this team. It's just a matter of which capacity or how big of a capacity. But a lot of those freshman pitchers are going to redshirt. Uh, a lot of the freshman infielders are, are going to redshirt. Uh, catcher Stone Lawless. I, I would imagine that he redshirts because there's four catchers in front of him, um, but he is a very talented freshman. Uh, and then the two freshman outfielders, Holden Brauner and Jeremy Comer, I, I would think that they redshirt as well. So there, there's just so much talent and depth on this team uh, that you, you really have to have an it factor to you to, to play as a freshman at this point. There it is. Is that, is that the third question? Yes. Ben McKee. That's okay with Nelson. Uh, and Vol in Georgia, I don't anticipate DJ Jefferson playing anytime soon. Is DJ Jefferson ever going to see much playing time? Not this year. I I would be very very surprised if if he gets on the on the floor this year. He he is a terrific offensive player in practice. Where he needs to take a step forward is on the defensive end of the floor, uh, which. You would think that defense would be his bread and butter with how athletic he is, uh, how much length he has out on the wing. Uh, but I, I think the mind is tying up the feet, and he needs to take a step forward from an IQ standpoint. I, I don't want to insinuate that he's dumb or anything, uh, but he's a young guy, and I think he's trying to learn how to play defense under Rick Barnes. I think that's what's preventing him from getting on, on the floor. Uh, and you also had him essentially suspended for like a week or two right as they were beginning practice right before the season started. So uh, DJ's needed to, to clean nothing major, uh, but needed to clean some some things up off the floor and on the floor defensively. Uh, but if it ever clicks for him, man, his athleticism, and he's got a pretty stroke from the perimeter as well. He has a really nice shot, and he does some things in practice, Wayne, where it's like, okay, you, you can't find a minute for DJ Jefferson on the floor because he's given some guys buckets here and there where, I mean, he he's taken it to the rim and, and put on a nice move and, and had a great finish at the rim. Um, but it, it's all about the defensive 
side of things for DJ right now, but I don't anticipate him playing many minutes, if at all, this season. What's funny is we had a camp car on, on the locker room. I asked him about what does it take to get the green light? And he was like, I know one thing. I don't have the green light. And Rick, Coach Barnes told me not to shoot it. Well, last night, Cam Carr was shooting like he had the green light. <laughs> he was letting it fly, wasn't he? All right, let me get Rick to the Barnes. phones. Huh? Rick, Rick Barnes also called a, a timeout to pull Cam Carr Man. out of the game after he went 0 for 3. And I was, I will say, I was at that practice where Cam took a corner three and it did not look good. And Rick stopped practice and yelled at him. You do not have the green light. Do not shoot the basketball. That's the basketball. Man, he hit the top of the backboard in Kentucky. <laughs> I was glad he hit the rim last night. Man, but he's gonna be a he's, good player. He got a good stroke, man. He got a good stroke. He, it's, he's the it's gonna be as a right. freshman. He's the the worst best shooter I've ever seen. Because in the preseason, you heard about all oh, this Cam Carr kid. He scores. He scores. He scores. He's giving our veterans buckets. And now I swear I, I've never seen him make a shot in, in practice since that point. So he's like the he's the worst best shooter I've ever seen. Yeah, it, he he is. Going, I'm joking. I say that tongue in cheek. He's going to be fine. Yeah, he's going to start. Once it clicks for him, yeah, he's going to start hitting. It's, it's confidence, man. He'll start hitting. He got pretty. He got pretty mechanics. Pretty stroke. It'll 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 be fine. Eight six five two hundred fifty five oh three. That's Ben McKee. I'm Jason Swain. And uh, man, we're gonna we're gonna let Ben hit the road and um, handle his duties. We're gonna go to the phones uh, right now. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three is our telephone number. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Good morning, fellas. It's DZ in Milwaukee. What's up, DZ? Man, chilling out, chilling out. I. I had just screamed out no because you said uh, you're about to let Ben go, and I. Well, he's still right <laughs> here for a quick second, Ben. You got you got a okay. quick second. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. Um, I wanted to get in a, a quick baseball question real quick, and then I had a comment about Zakai. Um, ben, other than um, Billy Amick, who would you say is the, um, I guess, most surprising or which? Of the transfers, which of the baseball transfers do you think will have the biggest impact um, on the team? I guess just from um, looking at the offseason so far. I'll say Cannon Peebles, the NC State Cannon. Uh, transfer who catches. What's that? Cannon. 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 Cannon, which is a great <laughs> name. He, he catches, and, and that's a, a great name. So I think he'll – Everybody's talking about Billy Amick, obviously, and rightfully so. Uh, but Cannon Peebles is bad is is just as lethal as as Billy's. Uh, he's got a lot of pop in the bat, uh, switch hitter, and uh, Tennessee really really likes Cannon and his demeanor. Uh, Tony Vitello loves the edge that he has to him. Uh, has a has a little of of Drew Gilbert in him. Not saying he is Drew Gilbert, but in terms of mentality and edge. Uh, Cannon, Cannon is wired differently and, and has a little bit of that Drew Gilbert to him and, and his bat. Uh, Tony said it publicly. It, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup. So I, I think he's going to be one of Tennessee's most productive hitters this season. Okay, awesome. That, that's good to hear. And that, that was actually the name I was hoping you were going to say because just looking at his numbers from NC State, looks like the kid can rake. So um, hopefully he brings that over to the hill and 
Um, I actually, I actually will be in town for the uh, the Illinois series. I'm going okay. to the, uh, the I'm going to the Kentucky game as well. So looking looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, we have um, something to play for in that Kentucky game. Obviously, the the way the guys have been playing, um, I can't see any reason why they shouldn't be in this title race until the end. But just hoping they keep this momentum going. Um, what I want to say about Zakai, I'm not sure if either of you guys saw. Um, Vicky V put out a list of his five favorite point guards in college yesterday. And for some reason, a Mr. Ziegler was not on that list. And I was a little disappointed by that. Then, uh, then we're not going to talk about that list because that list is fake news. Let me see that list. I mean, let me check. Yeah, it's fake that- news. It has some random dude from Colorado State. And I don't know. I was, I was baffled. It was yesterday? I believe it was yesterday. I looked at it yesterday, so it, it's got to be from the last day or two. Uh, trying to find it on his tw- on this Twitter. I don't see it. I don't see it on this Twitter, man. Unless I'm missing something. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I'm missing, yeah. I'm missing something. <laughs> uh, six point guards, 2023, 2024. His six best. Right, Dwan Harris, Kansas. Tyler, Colette, Marquette, Tristan Newton, UConn, Reed Shepard, Kentucky, Braden Smith, Purdue, Isaiah Stevens, Colorado State. Reed Shepard's not even a true point guard. (laughs) (sighs) You know, I've been taught to respect my elders. I, I've been taught to respect my elders, DC, but this list is straight up bull. Yeah, without Zakai Ziegler, Reed Shepard. Did you yeah, see what the guy did to Reed Shepard Saturday? You you can you saw it in Reed Shepard's eyes. And listen, I like Reed Shepard. His daddy was a baller. He's a baller. He's going to be a problem for Tennessee. Because I don't know if he's going to be a one and done. He's going to be here for a little bit, but not that he's, long. He's receiving he's, some first round projections. Yeah, but hey, he may be here more than a year. But he he can shoot it. I was talking to Zakai about Gordon Reed, and he was like, "Man, there was one time I know, I know I I, I had him. Like I I and Ben got to go. Um, I I had him." And he made it anyways. Like, the Zakai over, or Reed Shepard over, over Z, that's, that, that was surprising. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I like Kolick. Um, I like, well, I'm going to say I like Harris, but Harris is good. Um, I haven't seen, I haven't watched any UConn, so I'm not sure about this Newton or Newsom kid, but. I would assume he's all right because they're the best team in the country right now. But other than that, none of the, I, there's no way I Shepherd or these other two no names are better than the Kai. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's 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 um the best point guard in the SEC. Not on Dickie V's top six. I, I, that's uh that's surprising. That's surprising. Yeah. But appreciate you. Hey, you man, is, your, is your dad coming back with you too? Trash talking, he Daddy. <laughs> Bring Daddy went back is. with you now. 
Nah, he he's not coming. I'm actually up with one of my um, uh, buddies that I went to UT with. That um, he lives out in Connecticut. Actually, works for ESPN. But I meet him in town, and we're we're getting there like that Thursday night, and going to stay all weekend. So probably catch you know at least two of the baseball games, and uh, definitely going to the Kentucky game. So I'm excited. Man, hopefully uh, get a chance to link up, man. I, I oh, yeah, I'm going to hit you up for sure. I know Ben is moving. I know Ben is moving, but hopefully he might, you know, have a little time to sneak over and meet up with us. Yeah, hopefully, man. I went, I went to that end yesterday, man. I thought about you. So, yeah, let's let's, oh, make, let's make it happen. Yeah, I got a Bernie Mac on my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good, man. Thanks for the phone All call, right. DZ. Appreciate you, man. I right, appreciate it. Appreciate it, bro. All right, see you. 865-255-03. Can't believe Zakai Ziegler is not on this list. That makes absolutely no sense at all. I'm trying to be respectful. You know, Dickie V, man, you know, he's had his his health battles. We, we got love for Dickie V. Rick Barnes got love for Dickie V. Praying for him. Checking in on him. But Dickie V, I don't know what is going on with your list, man. I'm not saying your list is, is wrong with the people you have on it. I'm just saying it's wrong with the people you, that you don't have on it. How do you not have the Kyle Ziegler on this list? Especially with this list coming out yesterday. It, be, it would be one thing if the list came out Friday before Tennessee played Kentucky. But seeing what Zakai Ziegler did to Reed Shepard, seeing how Zakai Ziegler controlled the basketball game, which is what a point guard job is. 26 points, 13 assists, two turnovers. And then proceed to allow 11, uh, not 11, but a couple days go by and to drop this list on the seventh. <sighs> Going back to the phones. Good morning. Good morning, bro. What's up, Turkey, man? Hey, buddy. What you doing? Ben got away before I get to ask him questions. Well, Ben was... Gonna ask him yeah, Ben was I'm gonna, supposed to be gone 10 minutes ago. He had to, he had to run. Yeah, I know. I was going to talk to him about, about the infield and baseball and see what he's what he was seeing that direction. I've seen he put a little bit out. I hadn't got to read it all, but... Well, yeah, he got to go. Hey, got, got, what do you think... Uh, uh, about this uh, that we're dealing with the NCAA, do you think there's any chance at all that uh, uh, Nico would not be eligible to play? I mean, I, I can't see how he he can not be able to play, but I but I don't understand all that that's out there. So maybe what are there a chance that we would not get to have him as a quarterback? Uh, I feel like we at war because NCAA was trying to suspend Nico uh, indefinitely. It was not trying to suspend really? him a good number of games. And so uh, when Tennessee, say Tennessee, was denied uh, the temporary restraining order, the judge mentioned the fact that Tennessee is likely going to, to win the overall case. Um and so, if that happens, I don't see how Nico's going to be suspended or not allowed to play. So, I'm expecting Nico to be out there, Turkey Man. Well, me too, buddy. Me too. But I just, it seems like it's a, it's a mess that we always have to deal with fighting, don't it? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it's uh, never a dull moment in, uh, no. in Rocky Top, that's for sure. Well, I was noticing all them the fancy cars everybody else was showing that they're driving. And I, I don't, it, it's kind of like a, it, it's kind of like a, having a, a different uh, game plan for other people, different uh, uh, direction sometimes. Yeah. I mean, Turkey Man, the thing about what you're seeing, you're seeing current players. Um, you know, the Georgia quarterback got himself $270,000 Lamborghini um, SUV. It's sweet, too. It's clean. But the pushback there would be, hey, he's a current player. And the 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 rules that exist but don't exist, I don't know, said that you, you're not supposed to use NIL uh, as inducement. And Nico was flown on a plane by a boost from uh, a booster's plane that Spire Sports Group paid for. Um, but that was before he enrolled at the University of Tennessee. So the other side's claim is, hey, that that is a form of inducement. That is different than a current player like Brew McCoy, who had a commercial talking about his Lamborghini for some reason, or his uh, Benz for some reason. And that's different than Carson Beck posting a photo online about his car. That's that's different in their eyes. So um, all of it is the same to me. You should be able to induce a player and speak terms before a player signs to a university. And the players, if they want to ride around their city in a $200,000 vehicle, that's on them. You you are going to learn a lesson about making yourself a target. And so I hope nothing happens. Um, but it's the reason why rich folks drive normal cars. Mm. Well, that, that, uh, that makes me, it makes you go, well, that's for sure. I don't know if you notice much uh, around uh, driving around. You smell a lot of skunks now because at that time of year that skunks get together. And you can get run over on the highway. I mean, you smell them everywhere. I'm saying I'm dodging skunks in this part of the country. It smells like skunk to me. Turkey man, Nico's going to be all right, looks like. And and Tennessee looks like they're going to be all right, too. All right. It's got a smell to it. I'll let you go. All right, Turkey man. It's good to hear from you, man. Oh, my goodness. Buck Nasty. With a very inappropriate message on text box. He's still calling Doc Connect Tasty Pastry out there last night. That's not the nickname we're going with. But, Nash, we're not calling him that. I would rather you call him his government name. With his middle name included, than call him that. But, Nash. Brian Hunsucker, Zakai, ain't. Old Chris Paul out there playing back to back or three games in four days. It's two games in a week. He'll be fine. Yeah, there was questions about Zakai's minutes. I I feel good about where Zakai is right now. Does Zakai ever look tired at any point? Like I, there's not one point where I'm like, man, Zakai needs he needs a breather. Whew, he he looks he looks gassed. No. 
That dude is the Energizer Bunny. The right hand layup, not using the off hand to, 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 to gather, going off the right foot, excuse me, going off the wrong foot, but it was the right leg, layup at the basket last night. That boy's healthy. <laughs> that boy's fine. And he's the guy that makes everything go, which is why I don't understand why he's not on the list for Dickie V. Sixth grade team in the country. Dude's a junior. Tennessee's in position to win the SEC in the regular season. So you can't even look and say, oh, well, he's not on the radio, radar. Uh, he was the best player on the court against Kentucky. Him and Dillingham was pretty good, too. Dillingham was, was a baller. So you can't. You can't dismiss that at all. I I am shocked. Completely shocked that he's not. Uh, early in the show, we talked about Rodney Garner. He's staying. That's good news for, for Tennessee's um, continuity. Don't want to have different voices. You have a really good group coming back. A dang good group coming back. You have James Pierce, who should be a first round pick after this next next season, along with some very, very experienced players up front and some guys looking to make their names after not playing as much their freshman year. So defense line, man, they got a chance to carry not just this this defense, but this entire team. Defense was the best unit last year. They should come into the season feeling like they're going to be the best unit this year as well. Hiller, right now, you can get a free UV light when you purchase select new HVAC systems. You can get a free whole home search protection or get whole home search protection when you buy a new whole home generator or get 50% off a descaler when you buy a new tankless water heater. It's Valentine's season and love is in the air. So you can find your perfect match with Hiller. Go to the website for more details. Happyhiller.com. See if we missed anything on the text box. Before we wrap up today's uh, program, Charger Vols says that man ain't smelling skunks. Turkey man ain't smelling skunks. He's smelling something else. Maybe somebody's out there smoking. It's a different kind of skunk is what Charger Vols is saying. Man, Charger Vols, this is the same Charger Vols that's a police officer. I know what you what you mean. I was driving the other day. I, I thought I smelled a skunk. Oh, no, no, no. That was not a skunk. That was some Bob Marley. Let's see what else here is on the text box. I, ain't, I didn't watch one minute of the uh, Auburn-Alabama game. I couldn't. Tennessee was playing. I'm not turning away from Tennessee game to watch Alabama and Auburn, even though 
that was a better game. I knew it was going to be a better game going into the game. We all knew that the basketball version of the Iron Bowl was going to be better than the Tennessee-LSU game because LSU was just not as good as Tennessee. But I still couldn't turn away from the game. I wasn't going to do it. Wasn't going to do it at all. Tuesday, Swain event will be back. Looking forward to hearing from everybody. Uh, Tennessee on the road against Texas A&M. We're getting closer and closer to NCAA. State of Tennessee, State of Virginia. Resolution there or answer there. Um, We're going to have Andy Staples on uh, Joshua Swain later on today from, from on three. So that'll be fun. Talk about all the stuff that's going on with the NCAA. Yeah, coaches Bolton getting out of the college game. Chip Kelly still trying to leave UCLA. Interviewing with everybody he possibly could interview with in the NFL uh, to leave. Congratulations to all of athletes near and far that signed their letter of intent um, last night or yesterday for signing day. Sunday day used to be used to be special, guys. We used to have a good time at that end barbecue, and I missed that. I thought about that yesterday. College football is changing. Uh, we did not mention how uh, what happened with uh, Riola going to Nebraska. His in his conversation with Kurt Herbstreit. That's going to get some traction across college football. Uh, Dylan Riola's father spoke and talked about how they talked to Kerb Herbstreit. Kerb Herbstreit told them they need to they need to go to Nebraska. I'm sure Georgia fans are up in arms about that one. I love it. Good job, Kurt. Good job, Kurt Herbstreit. We love it. For Ben McKee of Go Vols 247, appreciate Ben as, as always. Uh, big thanks to everyone listening and listening on the podcast. Tuesday, we'll be back, hopefully talking about a win against Texas A&M. We'll have a lot to discuss. Uh, hopefully, we'll also find, get closer to information or the decision regarding the spring game. A lot of construction going on right now inside the stadium. So, uh, I know the university athletic department looking at different options for, for the spring game. So, maybe we'll be able to uh, shed some light on that situation as we are getting closer and closer to spring practice, guys. About three weeks, three and a half weeks away, somewhere around there, three and a half, four weeks away. Uh, and so hopefully we'll have something to discuss regarding the, the spring game. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. I'm Jason Swain here from the Low T Center Studio. Sweet event fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. Peace and love. We're out.